Welcome to the CSIS Podcast. I'm Colin Quinn. This week we're talking about human rights, as the Trump administration's apparent embrace of authoritarian regimes, as well as his Secretary of State Rex Tillerson's remarks, point to a recalibration towards a more realist foreign policy. And in some circumstances, if you condition our national security efforts on someone adopting our values, we probably can't achieve our national security goals our national security interest. If we condition too heavily that others must adopt this value that we've come to over a long history of our own, it really creates obstacles to our ability to advance our national security interest, our economic interest. It doesn't mean that we leave those values on the sidelines. It doesn't mean that we don't advocate for and aspire to freedom, human dignity, and the treatment of people the world over. We do. And we will always have that on our shoulder everywhere we go. But I think it is, I think it's really important that all of us understand the difference between policy and values. Now, anyone who's looked at U.S. alliances and policy in the last few decades would probably see that U.S. actions don't always line up with its values. But nevertheless, Tillerson's remarks drew criticism in Washington from both sides of the political spectrum for what looks like an abandonment of human rights as a guiding principle. So this week, We hear from Shannon Green, director of our Human Rights Initiative, to discuss what a change in policy might look like. I think it's the case that U.S. foreign policy is always based on our national interest, right? So the Obama administration always took a hard look, number one, at what's in our national security interest and made determinations in terms of policy based on that. So in that sense, it's not that big of a departure. I think the reason that it was so shocking for a lot of people is for two reasons. Number one, because it was so sort of straightforward about the fact that this administration was going to be decoupling our values and concerns about human rights from foreign policy, and B, that it showed that they always see those two things as being intention. Whereas in the Obama administration and the Bush administration, I think it was accepted that for the most part, security and human rights and our national interests are actually quite complementary um, because countries that secure human rights are more reliable partners and where we share values with another country, we have much more sustainable relationships and interests and a basis for cooperation. Sometimes those things were in conflict, um, at least in a short term, where we might want to pursue some type of cooperation with a country that does not protect human rights, and certain calculations would be made about that. But for the most part, I think administrations in the past have seen it as being in our interest to promote human rights and have seen it as sort of a core foundation of our foreign policy. So departing from that was an exception rather than the norm. And I think that's what people are reacting to. And how would you react to the list of of authoritarian leaders that the Trump administration seems to have embraced? El Sisi in Egypt, Duterte in the Philippines, Erdogan in Turkey, and of course our good friend Putin who had the, his foreign minister in the Oval Office this week. And I, I honestly can't think of any other foreign minister. I kind of see Boris Johnson in that situation 
Um, so is that just kind of a personal thing? Do you think how much does that affect policy? This kind of seem to switch toward that more realpolitik. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a significant shift, and symbolically, it matters a lot because it basically says we're going to turn a blind eye to your human rights record. We're going to turn a blind eye to the way that you're treating your own citizens. So long as we think that we can extract something from you, that's a value to the United States. Those other things don't matter to the United States. And that's a huge difference um, in terms of our policy. And it sends a real message both to other dictators and would-be authoritarian leaders who now think that they have a free pass from the United States when it comes to their human rights behavior. And secondly, it sends a message to civil society actors and human rights defenders who are going to say, oh my goodness, you know, the United States has really turned a corner here. Um, And we're hearing from a lot of people on the ground that they are feeling really concerned. They're feeling abandoned by the United States because of this embrace of dictators. I think the big difference is not that the United States hasn't carried on relationships with, you know, these these dictators um, in the past, but we've had a more balanced engagement with them. So even while we were pursuing things of mutual interest, like cooperation on counterterrorism, for example, we would also criticize them publicly and privately for their human rights behavior. So it was more of a kind of holistic engagement or full package where we didn't say it's one or the other. We either engage them on human rights and then we can't talk to them at all about, you know, these other areas where we have mutual interest, or we engage them on mutual interests and don't say anything about human rights. I mean, we've been able to walk and chew gum at the same time. And I think this is basically saying we can only do one or the other, and we're choosing to have an engagement based on what we think is in our best interest. I mean, you look at, say, I mean, this isn't just a problem for the Trump administration. This has been a a broader trend for a while. You look at say, how the U.S. and China maybe have, have interacted. There used to be, you know, even if it was just lip service, a president saying, you know, talking about human rights when they're talking to Chinese leaders, that's kind of evaporated. Is that, you know, is that, is so is this kind of move towards away from human rights kind of a, a symbol of maybe the U.S. not being as strong in these situations as they used to be? Yeah, I mean, I, I think... Um What happened essentially was in the first term of the George W. Bush administration, they wholeheartedly embraced the promotion of democracy and human rights. So there was the freedom agenda, which was really based on this notion that stability in a long-term sense depends on countries embracing democratic governance and human rights. And so the Bush administration really, you know, pushed that. It was sort of carried to an illogical end in terms of the intervention in Iraq. And I think, you know, um, a justification for that being that we were trying to sort of force democracy on Iraq, which was obviously not the real reason for the war. But in that sense, democracy promotion and military intervention sort of got conflated. So when President Obama came in, he was really trying to sort of turn down the temperature on some of that um, and restore U.S. credibility and 
kind of back away a little bit from this idea of promoting democracy by force, right? So that was the first thing. Second thing, I think just in terms of his own kind of philosophy and background, President Obama was much more in favor of kind of citizen to citizen engagement rather than the U.S. government being the one to push U.S. you know values, democracy, and human rights. Like he, as a community organizer, really had this idea that it wasn't going to come about because of you know U.S. government or big U.S. institutions um, engaging at that high level, but rather through deeper and richer contacts between citizens from the United States and citizens from other countries. So his way of doing democracy promotion and sort of engaging on human rights was much more grassroots and was about facilitating exchanges and kind of engaging personally, him personally, with civil society from other countries. That said, on a couple of issues, the Obama administration was very engaged. So they, you know, promoted LGBT rights um, above and beyond any other administration in the past. Women's rights was an area of focus. Atrocity prevention, um, stand with civil society was an agenda that the Obama administration engaged on. So there were these sort of cross-cutting engagements. But when it came to our relationships with China, Egypt, Bahrain, and others, it was a mixed picture where we would criticize them on human rights, um, privately oftentimes impressed. But at the end of the day, there was a much sort of shorter term um, consideration of what our interests were. And oftentimes you could say that there was sort of this preference of short-term security, cooperation, or engagement on economic issues over the values and human rights issues. So if, if human rights is totally going to be decoupled, um, and it's an if, you know, it's not necessarily definitive at this point. Um, if it is going to be decoupled from uh, U.S. foreign policy goals, uh, what does the U.S. lose? I actually think that we lose a lot. So number one, there's a lot of evidence that Democratic partners, partners that protect human rights of their own populations are much more reliable steady partners. They don't go to a war with each other. They're better trade and economic partners. It's no doubt that we have very strong relationships with the UK and other European partners because they share our values. Um, So I think, number one, we get much more dependable partners who are aligned with our security, economic, um, and values and interests. On the flip side, we know that these kind of strongman regimes are much more erratic in terms of their foreign policy. So if you take um, North Korea as an example, you know, the the nuclear tests, the, the missile launches, those are all emblematic of a leader that is really not accountable at all to a domestic constituency um, and is much more erratic. And I think that poses a threat to the United States. Secondly, we lose our influence I think in multilateral arenas, the United States has been the biggest, you know, and most dependable defender and promoter of human rights on the international stage. Um, And we've been able to really shape international norms and institutions in a way that helps protect our interests because of, you know, because of our 
um, support for our human rights and because of our longstanding values-based foreign policy. So I think we lose that kind of credibility and influence at an international level if we're seen as being merely transactional in our approach to these countries. And third, I think um, we lose out in terms of having kind of the trust of civil society actors all around the world. So, of course, U.S. has never been perfect when it comes to promoting human rights, and we've, you know, we've talked about that a bit. But at the end of the day, when you talk to a human rights defender who's in prison or you talk to somebody who's under tremendous pressure from their own government, they will say that when the United States speaks out, when the president of the United States speaks out on their behalf or in favor of human rights, it gives them a boost that they do not get from anywhere else. And it gives them just a sense of not being alone and not being abandoned by the international community. And I think it's important that people in other countries feel like they have sort of a partner in the United States. If we're no longer seen as playing that role and we lose the trust of people all around the world, I think that has long-term detrimental effects for the United States. And that was Shannon Green finishing out our show. We'll be back with more soon, so please join us then. Once again, if you want to talk about the show, find me on Twitter or email me at cquinn at csis.org. As always, thanks for listening.